The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. Today's message is the conclusion of Elder Ronald Lawrence's sermon about being thankful. You may recall that yesterday he took us to the account of the ten lepers who were healed in Luke chapter 17. We found that only one came back, and he was a Samaritan. Oh, how important it is for us to be thankful for all the many blessings that the Lord has given us. In this account, do we see ourselves as the nine who went their way, or do we see ourselves as the one who came back? Let us strive to be that Samaritan who is thankful for what the Lord has done for him. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
when Jesus came to Peter in Luke chapter 5, they'd been fishing all night. And they hadn't caught anything. Been there, done that. <laughs> no fun. Anyway, <laughs> fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing. And the Lord told them to cast their, go out into the deep and cast their nets. And Peter said, Master, that word master there means commander. He says, Master, he says, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, at thy word, we'll do it. See, he recognized he was listening to the words of the commander. At thy word, we'll do it. It's common knowledge in Sea of Galilee, you fish and caught your fish at nighttime in shallow water. It's daytime, he tells them to go out in the deep water. The reason for that is because the Lord providentially had already moved those fish out of there. He'd already moved those fish out of that shallow water into the deep water, so the Lord knew where the fish were at. And so they went out there, they let down their nets, they caught so many fish, the nets broke. And they had to call for another ship. And the ship came and they loaded two ships, the ships began to sink. Now, that's what I call a fruitful fishing expedition. Uh, they did what the commander-in-chief said. And they caught a great, uh, great amount of uh, uh, fish because they followed the instructions of the commander, you see. You find that word used also in Luke chapter 8 when the Lord's uh, disciples in that ship on the sea and the great storm comes. When they cry out to Jesus who was sleeping at the bottom of the ship, they said, Master, as commander there, Master cares not that we perish. Well, the commander wasn't woken, didn't wake up because of the, of the wind. The commander didn't wake up because of the waves beating into the ship. The commander woke up because his little children, his disciples, cried to him and prayed to him. And that's what woke him up. And he awakes and he comes up to the top of the ship. And then he commands that the waves be still and the wind quit blowing. And guess what? That's exactly what took place. That's exactly what happened. The wind heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ quit blowing. The waves heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ subsided. And normally when you have a storm at sea, it's days before the, the, everything has a complete calm. It's usually several days. But not on that occasion. Immediately there was perfect calm on the sea because the commander had spoken. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. They knew who to come to for mercy. They weren't going to get mercy from the Pharisees. They were not going to get any mercy from the Sadducees. <laughs> they were not going to get any mercy from the chief priests, scribes, and elders. No, indeed, they wanted them to stay as far away as they possibly could. But they're calling upon one who issues mercy. And I'm so thankful about that. I'm so thankful for Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Reminds me of the very next chapter of those two that went up to the temple to pray. You had a Pharisee and you had a publican. And they went up together. That's about as far as they went together. i tell you that. They went up together into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee prays first. And he starts off real good. He said, Lord, I thank you. I don't know of a better way to start a prayer off than that right there. Lord, I thank you. I'm not like other men. Boy, he jumped the rails there. <laughs> I thank you, Lord. I'm not like other men. Even this publican over here. He said, why, well, I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Wonderful, wonderful. And he said, I'm not an adulterer. I'm not an unjust man. I'm not an extortioner. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. Just like he wants the Lord to be sure to know all that. Just like the Lord was in the dark about it. He said, Lord, I, I want you to take a look over here. And don't forget that I'm not all these things. And don't you forget that I fast. Don't you forget that I, I tithe all my possessions. Don't you forget that. 
Oh, Lord, you all that all right. Then the publican, he just smote himself on the breast and said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And the Lord said, this man went down his house justified rather than the other. Here's a man who felt a great need. Here's a man who understood what mercy was all about. He needed mercy. He cried for mercy. And I believe God gave him mercy on that occasion there. And we find here that these ten lepers come and say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There's crying out with one voice. See, it was a known thing that Jesus had been cleansing lepers. I'm sure when they first met him, I don't know how, where, how long they'd been traveling. I don't know what, how they started out their day. But when they saw Jesus, I believe hopelessness turned into hope. You ever been there when you just felt hopeless and helpless? But all of a sudden, somebody started telling you about the Lord Jesus Christ and his greatness and his power and what he's done, what he's doing, what he's promised he's going to do. And the next thing you know, you're hopeless. Right now you had hope. Now you uh, felt better about the situation. You know, I feel better now than I did when I got up this morning. What about you? I feel a lot better. I, don't, I can't tell you much better I feel than I did when I got up this morning. I mean, I felt okay this morning, but after being here all day, I'm really feeling good. And so they meet Jesus. I, it's not a better person for you to meet than Jesus. And I'm talking about coming face to face. They came to face to face with Jesus and they, they were the walking dead. But the Bible did say they stood afar off, which is what they were supposed to do. And they're supposed to cover their lip and cry, unclean, unclean, so that people approaching them would know that they had their leprosy. See, it was known Jesus was healing the, uh, cleansing the lepers. In fact, if you go back earlier in this book, I believe it's chapter, uh, I think chapter uh, five or chapter eight, check both of them, it's one of those two. Anyway, you go back over there. You're going to find where the Lord, uh, a leper, met the Lord. And here's what he said to the Lord. He says, I know thou can cleanse me if thou will. And Jesus just said, I will. Thou art cleansed. And then he says, don't go tell anybody. He says, tell nobody. He went and told everybody. Now, I'm not going to criticize him. I'm telling you, if I had leprosy and the Lord cleansed me, I'm not staying quiet about it. I'm going to tell anybody and everybody I come in contact with. If I, if I didn't have any hearing and God gave me my hearing, I'm just not going to stay quiet about it. If I was blind and God gave me sight, I'm just not going to stay quiet about it. And did you know in one stroke of God's amazing grace, he born you of the Spirit of God, he healed your blindness, he healed your deafness, and he healed your leprosy. Amen. you got a lot to tell people about. He gave you eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand. He cleansed you in the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and and of course, uh, the Lord knew this. The best way for people (laughs) to tell something is tell them not to tell it. (laughs) Have you ever had anybody come to you and say, listen, I'm going to tell you something now. You know, I'm really not supposed to tell you. (laughs) Don't tell me. (laughs) I know I wouldn't want you to, you know, get in trouble. What is it? Uh, But anyway... (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> when somebody tells you not to tell something, you just can't stand it. And so I've thought about that in the church. I thought, you know, we just, and when y'all, by the way, when, when the church is over today and this weekend and you start seeing people during the week, don't say one word about this meeting. <laughs> don't you say one word about the Lord being here. Don't you say one word about how good the singing was and, and whatever you want to think about the preaching. Uh, don't you tell anybody anything about any of that. Uh, you just don't say nothing. Okay, and maybe if we tell you that, you'll go out and blaze it abroad. <laughs> so that's what he told that man to do. He then says, go and show thyself to the priest. 
So these ten come to the Lord and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And what did the Lord say? The Lord said, go show thyself to the priest according to the law of Moses. Now, wait a minute. They're getting ahead of themselves. They've not been cleansed yet. You didn't go see the priest unless you were cleansed. But the Bible says, and as they went, they were cleansed. I think we see an act of faith right here. And the importance of obedience. The importance of obedience. Doing what the Lord said. If you want things to turn out right, you've got to do right. You ever know that? I hear people sometimes say, ain't nothing turning out right. I said, well, what are you doing? Are you doing right? Well, I'm not sure. Well, if you want things to turn out right, you got to do right. And to do right, you got to be, you got to think right. To think right, you got to be taught right. And so I want to teach right. I want you to think right. I want you to do right. And you know what will happen? It'll turn out right. I'm convinced about that. There's a reason. People say, there's a reason things happen. I say, yeah, uh, things happen for a reason. I like that better. Things happen for a reason, you see. So obedience is very important. Remember the case of, of Naaman? We find over here in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, I believe. Naaman was a captain of the Syrian army. Says he was a great man. He was a captain of the Syrian army. He was an honorable man, mighty man, but he was a leper. But he was a leper. But in captivity was a little Jewish maid. And she told his, the mistress she was with, she said, Oh, if the master... It's back over in Israel. There's a man of God in Israel. He'd tell the master what to do, and he'd be cleansed of his leprosy. When the king heard this, he sent his captain, Naaman, over there. And, of course, he took all kind of stuff with him because he thought he was going to have to buy this. And one thing, a lot of God's people got the same problem. They think they have to buy the gift of God. They have to buy the favor of God. It just doesn't work that way. When he got there, the prophet Elisha sent his servant out there and told Naaman, says, uh, go dip in the river Jordan seven times. Oh, that, that made Naaman mad. Uh, he, in other words, he thinks, I've come a long way. He says, the rivers I left are far better than this river. And from the physical aspect of it, from the attributes of the rivers, he was exactly right. The rivers where he come from were far more impressive than the Jordan River. I've seen the Jordan River. It's very unimpressive. But it is very, very significant in history. He was dipping himself seven times in Jordan's River. So he's in a huff and a puff, but his servants come to him. And they said unto him, oh, if it had bid you do some great thing, you'd have done that. See, here's man's pride getting in the way. You'd have done something if it had bid you uh, do some great thing. But all he's told you to do is go dip in George River seven times. Well, I'll give Naaman credit for this. He listened to his servants. So then he obeyed. He went and dipped himself seven times in Jordan's River. And after the seventh time, he came forth and he was cleansed of his leprosy. Remember what Peter did when I mentioned a while ago? When the Lord told him to go out into the deep, he obeyed, didn't he? He said, Master, we toiled all night, caught nothing, but nevertheless, it's your word, we'll do it. If you tell us to do it, we're going to do it. What happened? Well, remember all the fish they caught. Reminds me of the servant of Abraham. When Abraham in Genesis 24, Abraham wants to get a bride for his, uh, for his son Isaac. So he gets his most reliable servant, his oldest servant, his dependable servant. And he tells that servant, he says, I want you to... Go back to where we come from and get a bride for my son Isaac. And he gave him a charge. And you read there when the servant took off, when he got there, the first thing he did was, was pray. He said, Lord, he says, show me the very one that I'm supposed to get and take back for my master's son Isaac. And he prayed very, very specifically. And I think that's very important for us to pray specifically about certain things. 
and he prayed specifically. And the Lord answered that prayer exactly like he prayed it, to the detail. And when he met Rebecca, I realized this is the one that God has showed me here. When he met Rebecca, to take her back, you know what he did? He prayed again. And he said, Lord, I being in the way, the Lord hath led me to the house of my master's brother. I love that prayer. Lord, I being, what kind of way was he in? He was in the way of prayer. He was in the way of obedience. He did the commandment of the master. He says, my master Abraham, you not left him destitute of mercy or truth, and I being in the way. The Lord has led me to the house of my master's brother. He led him to the right place, to the right, uh, uh, on the right day, to the right place, to the right person. And he took that person and brought her back to Isaac. You know, young people today, and well, you be any age you want to be. <laughs> I, I tell people this all the time. Uh, there's no such thing as middle age in the Bible. You know that, don't you? Just middle age, something man made up. In the Bible, it's young or old. I once was young, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous second of seed begging bread. Some people say, well, how old you got to be before you're old? I don't know. I ain't got there yet. <laughs> uh, they tell me uh, what happens when you get in that age category. I, maybe, maybe that's true. One day, maybe I'll experience it. But right now, I, remember, I, I admit I'm not very young anymore. But you go from very young to young to not so young. I'm probably in the not so young category. So you mean whichever category you want to be in. You're free to choose. Free will. I believe in free will. <laughs> when it comes to things like that. He was obedient. And look at the results. He got the right one, didn't he? Got the right one. Now the Lord blessed me and my wife to meet in a little bit different way. I was uh, 19 years old and I'm working at a service station when they really gave you service. They check your oil, wash your windshield, check the air in your tires, all that good stuff. And one day I'm there and I see this car pull up and, and uh, get gas out there and I hear this screaming and squealing going on and, and I thought I better investigate that. And so I go out there and check it out and lo and behold there's two young ladies in that car and they lost two hamsters. And the hamsters are running around there and they're squealing and everything else and they finally rescued the hamsters and got settled down and my eyes settled on one of them. I knew her family and knew her sister. And uh, she worked at a Dairy Queen up the road, and they're a taste-free, something like that. Anyway, I went up there, and I said, uh, I need your phone number. I need the house phone number. <laughs> the rest is history. Fifty-three and a half years later, <laughs> the rest is history. So I, I thank God for sending the hamsters into my life. <laughs> That's all, all, all I, I got to say about it. <laughs> anyway, these, these lepers... As they went, they were cleansed. Somewhere between the time that they left Jesus, time they got to the priest, for them to get to the priest for the right reason, there had to be a cleansing take place. And that's exactly what happened. And then the Lord said, Didn't I cleanse ten? Didn't I cleanse ten? Because of those ten that he cleansed, only one turned around to give him the praise. Only one out of ten. They all had leprosy. They all were cleansed. All by God's power. All by God's mercy. All by God's grace. When anything they did, they asked for mercy and God gave them mercy. And they witnessed God's providence. They witnessed God's power. They witnessed God's grace on that occasion there. And they were cleansed. Can you imagine that? You got leprosy one moment. The next moment you're cleansed of your leprosy. How can you go away and not turn around and praise the one that gave you that? 
Oh, it's amazing to me. It's just, you know, I love the 40th Psalm. I, I like the way it starts out. It says, you know, I waited patiently upon the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He said, he brought me up out of a horrible pit. Now the miry clay put a new song in my mouth. Even praise under my God. Many shall see it in fear, etc. I love that. But I love the way it ends. The last two verses. He said, let all those that seek the Lord rejoice and be glad in it. And let those that love his salvation say, the Lord be magnified. I love the Lord's salvation, don't you? I love the Lord and I love the Lord's salvation. I want to say to you today, let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be magnified. And then he said, the Lord thinketh upon me. He said, but I am poor and needy, but I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh on me. You know, when I, uh, I read that, I thought, I'm poor. And I, that's something David said oftentimes in the Psalms. It's not the only time. He said, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. To me, he's saying here, I'm frail, I'm weak, I'm undone. I'm a sinner by nature, I'm a sinner by practice. Haven't lived like I should have lived. Haven't honored God like I should have honored him. I'm poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. That, that's my experience today. The Lord, the Lord has thought upon me down through, the, down through the years. He's thought upon me when I wasn't thinking about him. He was thinking about me. Sometimes I have to travel by myself. And some people say, you travel by yourself. And I know the good Lord is with me. We had a lot. We had a good talk on the way down here. <laughs> I didn't tell the Lord anything. <laughs> I know he already knows it anyway. But I didn't tell the Lord anything, and I don't have to worry about him telling everybody else about it. We can just talk and have a good time and, and have good fellowship together. Yet he thinketh upon me. The Lord said the one who turned around and praised him was a Samaritan. Was a Samaritan. The other nine were Jews. They kept going. But the Samaritan turned around and praised him. He used the Samaritan as an example of proper praise. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 20, he said, By him, therefore, let us offer unto him the sacrifice of praise continually, even the fruit of our lips. Uh, he, how, how long we do, we do it continually, don't we? The, pray, the fruit of our lips, that's a sacrifice to God in New Testament church. The fruit of our lips, giving praise unto him continually. If I'm not mistaken, that's what you've been doing here uh, all day long here. You know, we have, I said we have 52 special meetings. You know, uh, at home we have a, a special Thanksgiving meeting that we set up between Thanksgiving and Christmas that we can just meet to give God thanks for the, for the previous year. But I got to think about the other day, and I said, well, shoot, we have 52 Thanksgiving meetings a year. <laughs> we have one for every Sunday. Every Sunday should be a Thanksgiving meeting. This should be a Thanksgiving meeting here today, giving thanks to God for his kindness, his mercy, his, his compassion, his blessings, uh, watching over us, taking care of us, giving us our food, our raiment, our shelter, our sweet hope in Christ, uh, and, and just giving us uh, the strength we need to go and face the world another day, to face the, the challenges this world throws at us on a regular basis and yet the things we get in the house of God fortifies us and gives us the strength to be able to do so. Ephesians 5, 14 and 15, Paul says, Speaking to yourselves, therefore, in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks to God always for all things. We need to be a thankful people. That Samaritan was a thankful person. 
he turned around and praised God. And I liked what this said. It said with a loud voice. <laughs> he glorified God. He didn't say, Lord, I thank you for doing this for me. No, he, <laughs> he turned around and praised God with a loud voice. He glorified the Lord. And um, I think the Lord's worthy of our best efforts, don't you? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.